0: In 2009, our church church was looking looking to to develop develop
1: an international partnership, a partnership where we could pour out love on a community and build relationships. A few of us found Mission of Hope Haiti. Officially founded in 1998, Mission of Hope has grown from a small mission located on a barren piece of land to a fruitful organization that has two campuses and works extensively in 12 villages, 14 schools, and dozens of churches. Through partnerships such as ours, Mission Hope also serves outside of its property by helping other orphanages, churches, and schools throughout the country. Our church has been sending teams to Haiti for about 10 years. Welcome to Port-au-Prince, the local time. Mission Hope aids and guides our church's primary efforts in this region of Haiti. But in the last five years, we've started a partnership specifically with one village, Sousma. So that's why they name it the village out of like water, which is source, sauce, sauce, matla, which is mattress or bed. It's like water bed. Mm. Sousmatla, which is translated as water source in Haitian Creole, is named for the natural water springs that feed the village. It's a small town of about 12,000 people and sits on the coast of the Caribbean Sea. Like much of Haiti, unemployment in the village is around 90% and 80% of the people are living in abject poverty. The needs of the village are deep and wide, but one look into the eyes of the people of Susmatla leads straight to their hearts, where their hope lies. Each year, many of you take a next step with Jesus and go to Haiti on our yearly service trip. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to be here and to serve you in Haiti, God, this week. And I have no idea why you called these people here, but I know that you called them here for a reason, um, and that you're going to use them in a mighty way this week, God. I pray that we'd be open to that, um, and I pray that as we we seek to, to bring you glory through our actions this week, that you would give us strength, that you would give us energy, um, and that you would allow us to be guided uh, by your Holy Spirit this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys, welcome to Haiti. On these trips, we bring food, supplies, open hearts, and hardworking hands to further the mission of Mission Hope and transform the country of Haiti. We also bring substantial donations from our church family that fund high-priority projects in the village. These projects are identified by the village champions, who are employed by Mission of Hope. These four have made as much of an impact in our lives as we've been trying in theirs. Fritznell, Erlo, and Olkin and Roselar. We've come to have incredible relationships with these village champions. We're not just Americans backing up a dump truck of stuff we don't use anymore. We're a family together, loving and serving God together. Thank you for being involved in this partnership. Thank you for your time, prayers, donations, and love as we pour out love on a country who needs it. On this last service trip, Our church's donations funded the construction of a basketball court in Susmatla. The court is not far from a construction project in 2017 where we funded and helped build a water canal to prevent flooding in parts of the village. Just across the highway from the canal is where we funded and helped build one of seven latrines or bathrooms in 2016 about a mile north of that in 2015 we assembled and delivered 21 water filtration systems for families without but most importantly there have been countless positive interactions between our church and the people of Haiti <laughs> you be
2: able to share
0: your life with others. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs>
1: This is Haiti, and this is our calling.
0: Well, good morning, good morning to everybody that's here, and everybody that's in the contemporary service. I just want to say it's good to be back with you. Um, Every year, you you surprise me. Um, There's been years where I've come and I couldn't see the grass. And there's been years that I did see the grass. You do have grass. This year, we moved to Texas as a family. Now we're by our office in Texas. And just to give you a little perspective of what we think of the snow, it was about 5.30 in December, and we got a text. It was 65 degrees at 5.30. And we got a text that the next day, schools would be closed because we were expecting a dusting of snow. So to come here and see what you did, I thought for sure, I asked Pastor Steve, I said, surely their church could be canceled tomorrow, right? When I saw the snow come down, he goes, oh no, we don't, we don't cancel church. And then to wake up this morning and actually see streets, like I could see the pavement. I thought, you guys are snow warriors up here. So thank you for being here. Uh, it's an honor to be back with you. And I just want to uh, take a minute and update you on what God's done in the last year, some highlights, and then just share some scripture and thoughts with you. So uh, one of the things that is central to who we are as Mission of Hope is that we are sharing the gospel. That's what we believe Christ has called us to do, and this year, we saw over 1,700 people make first-time commitments to follow Christ, amen? Uh, That is our existence. If we don't share the gospel, if we're not doing that, in every program that we do, then we consider that a failure because we believe that's what God's calls to do. Another thing that, that's happened since the earthquake in 2010, we've had multiple people living in tents. Now, if you can imagine that, eight years of people still living in tents. Uh, this, this year we were able to build over 1,300 homes since that time. Uh, the, the beauty of that and what we found as parents when we do an exit survey when they get into their house, the one thing that I never thought they would say is they said they sleep now. They used to sleep four hours a night because every noise, everything they heard, somebody could just cut through this little tarp that they had as a home and get to their kids. And now they have a block home with a tin roof and they can actually sleep. So you can imagine how that improves their health. So we're blessed to be able to do that. We also have over 10,000 kids in our education system. Uh, We're seeing kids that are coming from all over the area and their lives are being radically transformed. Even in the video you just saw, there was the young man doing the chicken dance he came through our school as a young man, came through our youth group, graduated from our school, went to Bible school, and is now one of the pastors at our church. So education is critically important. And as, was, as Brian said, there are many profiles back in the back that you can sponsor a child if God lays it on your heart. We need you to do that because when you do that, that allows us to take another child in that's right now not being sponsored. One of the things that we do is we're able to give food to kids. And this past year we were able to give over 91,000 meals a day to children throughout Haiti. Uh, You saw the forklift in the video, that's in our warehouse where food's coming in and going out all the time. What a blessing it is to be able to give nutrition to children. It allows us to impact their lives, but it also allows us to impact their hearts and to talk to their families. And yesterday you all packed 60,000 meals. If you were part of that or you gave towards that, thank you. Uh, We get to see those kids, and we get to be with those kids and see the impact of those meals, and it makes a difference, so we really appreciate that. Uh, We've worked with 500 farmers. The reason we work with farmers is because we believe that if we train a farmer to use the land they have, then at one point we'll stop importing food, and we're seeing that happen. We're able to buy more and more uh, from the farmers. We have, this year, we saw 56,000 people medically through the mobile clinics where we, like you all come down and go out and then also through our clinic at our hospital. We also this year have an eye clinic that we started and it looks like when you walk in, you can actually look on the wall and there's lenses there and you can pick your own glasses out. It's pretty incredible what God's done. So we're just very thankful for you partnering with us in the village of Motla. I wanna share with you though, this year marks a milestone for Mission of Hope. This is 20 years for us to be serving in Haiti uh, it's, it, I can't even believe that it. it's been 20 years, but this year marks the 20th anniversary. And through those times, we've had some times where we've cried a lot, and we've had some times where we've laughed a lot. The first year we were there, there was days that Vanessa would come, my wife, and she would say, we, we can't do this anymore, we gotta go home. And I would say, no, we can do it. And the next day I would go, you know what, you're right, we do need to go home. And she'd go, no, we can do it, let's stick it out. And God kept us there. There's been times where, uh, that we've cried hard. I remember a time when a young mom in the middle of the night birthed a baby. Over 80% of the babies birthed in Haiti are birthed in the home. And this mom came to our door about six in the morning and this beautiful, healthy boy that she had just birthed that night, she was holding and she said, can you help me? And he was dying because in the night they didn't clamp the umbilical cord and he had bled out. Those things break your heart. And then God brings along a day like this day when our neighbor, we had a missionary that had left and was going to the States for a little while and he had a Haitian house set for him. And in Haiti, you buy your, you get your phone, but then you have to put in a phone card. Well, in Haiti, they call that a cat, so a phone cat. And so when he came to my door early in the morning, knocked on it, and, and he said, Pastor Brad. I said, yes, what, what do you need, George? He goes, Don, who was the missionary, he said, his cat died, and I'm, I, I said, well, that's really not a problem, we'll, we're going to town today, and I'll get, a new, I'll get a new phone cat, or get a new cat, and he goes, okay, and he went in, so I went to town that day, and I got him a phone card, I'm like, this is easy, I don't know what he was so distraught about, and I got back, and I said, here you go, and he goes, what's this for, and I go, you said Don's cat died, and he goes, no, his cat, his cat died, so <laughs> sure enough, his cat had died that night, Um it was sad, but it was very funny, too. God, God used that moment to, to lighten it. Um, as well as we've seen God do the miraculous. We've seen God take a, a warehouse that was full of food during the earthquake. And, and a day before the earthquake, two million meals arrived. We didn't plan that out. God knew what was going to happen. The earthquake happened, and we were one of the few places that had food on hand. And I'll never forget, we were giving food out, just sending it out right and left, and I got a phone call, and somebody said, this is our last pallet of food, what do we do with it? We have our own kids and our orphanage that need to eat, but we have literally hundreds of thousands of people that don't have any way to get food, what do we do? And I just, I thought of my grandpa, who was a minister, and he always said, you can't outgive God. And so I said, send it out, we gotta give it away. And we gave that food away and right after that, trucks started coming in from the Dominican Republic with food and before we knew it, we didn't have enough space in our warehouse for food that we continue to give it out. We've seen God do that multiple times just this past year and this is a huge one that I shared last night but we saw God do something very miraculous. The Haiti was spared, praise God, this year from the, the hurricanes that went through uh, it went north of us. It hit almost every other Caribbean island except for Haiti and the Dominican Republic. But it went north of us to a little island called the Turks and Caicos. What we didn't realize is the Turks and Caicos was predominantly Haitian, the workers there. Well, we went and visited because a friend asked us to, and they needed food. All the shipping lines were shut down because the hurricanes were still going through. But in our warehouse in Haiti, we had food. And so, but that food was sent to Haiti, cleared by the Haitian government to be used for the Haitian people. So for us to use that, we had to go to the Haitian government and say, would you allow us to take this food that's for your people and send it to the Turks and Caicos, another group of people? And we got all the way up to the president, and they agreed to send it. And the prime minister came and saw the boat off. And it was the first time in Haiti's history that we were able to see Haiti become a sending country versus a receiving country. It was a big, big deal. So we've seen God in the last 20 years do many miraculous things, but we're believing for many, many great things to come. So this morning, I wanna just share with you a few things that I've learned and and start with the two questions that we always get asked. The first one is this, why do you care so much about Haiti? We're gonna answer that one. And the second one is this, when will you stop growing? Everybody always sees Mission Hope continue to grow. And I think that's a good question. And to answer that, I'd like us to go to the scripture that pastor read this morning of Luke 10. If you, if you have your Bibles, you can open them, but I'll just read it for you here. Luke ten, twenty five says this. On that one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? I love, I love the fact that Jesus didn't answer, the, he could have answered the question. He could have said, here's what it is. But instead he put it back to this expert and said, well, what do you think? And the expert says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You, do, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. You know, when I look at those two things, those really sum up how we, we are to live as believers, Love God with everything you have and love people the way you want to be loved. When I look at loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, I fail on that a lot. And it reminds me of a story of a young boy that went to a monk up in the mountains and he had hiked for days just to get to this monk and he went up and he said, sir, I have a question for you. And he said, what is it? And he goes, how do I find God with everything that I have? The monk didn't say a word, he just motioned. And they walked down this little windy path and there there was a pond that you could see through the reflection of the pond, the the mountains on the other side, it was gorgeous. And the monk motioned for him to get down by the water and they got down with their face right next to the water and the monk grabbed the the kid's head and pushed it under the water and held him there. And bubbles were coming up and he was flailing to get water and right before he took his last breath, the monk let him up. And he said, when you want God as bad as you want that last breath, you'll find him. It reminds me that um, I'm really good at being a human doing, but I'm not as good at being a human being. And God tells us, Jesus tells us that he is the vine. We are the branch. If we'll abide in him, he'll abide in us. And what it reminds me of as believers is that we, we have to have that time where we abide in Christ. We're we're humans just being in his presence. When you go back to the garden, that's really what he created man for was to be with him, that being. And so I would challenge you that we have to be humans that are are being with Christ, with being with him. That's the only way that we're ever gonna have all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength and all of our mind is if we stop, we take time and we become humans that are being with God. The second thing is this, as he says, love your neighbor's as yourselves. Now, the question I have for you is, how much do we love ourselves? So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an older guy for smartphones, but the one thing that I know is when I take a picture, they don't call it othersies. They call it selfies. I'm taking a selfie. Why do they call it that? Because I love to take pictures of who? Myself. If you watch Kids Today, I have a few, I'll see them in the back seat, and they're doing this. (laughs) And they take a picture, and they send it. Why? Because we are inerrantly taking care of ourselves. You don't ever have to teach your kids how to say mine. They know how to say it early on. Mine, because we know how to take care of ourselves. I'll never forget J.D., our oldest son. When he was 13 months old, we just had him. We didn't have him, I'm sorry. We just adopted him. And he came to our house and he, he got five matchbox cars. This was like, the only thing JD had was there were these five matchbox cars. He loved them. And we went back to the orphanage that he came from. And this was a very bad orphanage where it was just kids were starving. And we noticed that JD took his matchbox cars. And we're like, what's going on, JD? And so we get to this orphanage and he went around to the kids, his buddies, that he would lived with for years and he gave all of his cars cars away. And I just thought, that is a picture of how we should live. The fact that we've been adopted into the family of Christ, that we have a father that has many Matchbox cars, and we can give away what we have when we see someone that has a need. The question that I ask myself is if I moved away from my neighborhood or I moved out of where I am daily, my school or my church or my community, Would people miss God's presence? Would they miss Jesus showing up through me? Or would they not even miss me at all? Really that's the test of if we are treating others as ourselves, if we're teaching our neighbors that way. But then the Bible goes on to tell us, and I know you all studied this a couple weeks ago, but talk about the Good Samaritan. And I have a video clip that I'm gonna show you. Now I want you to know, I tried to make it a VeggieTales video clip. I couldn't find a VeggieTales one that was short enough. So this is more like off the VHS era. uh, But I think it does a pretty good illustration of illustrating the Good Samaritan. It does take a few liberties that aren't in the Bible, as you'll see. But let's watch this.
2: And Jesus replied with an illustration, A Jew going on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They stole his money. up and left him lying half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but then went on. A despised Samaritan came along. A despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw him, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his donkey. beside him, until they came to an inn. There he nursed him through the night. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two dollars bills and told him to take care of the man. If his bills run higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference next time I'm here. Now Jesus asked, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the bandit's victim? The man replied, the one who showed him some pity. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same.
0: Um, as believers, we all have to ask. I think that there's times that we're going to come in contact with people that, when we go, hey, we got to love God with all we have and love our neighbors, ourselves. It's easy for us, as you saw in the illustration and as Jesus showed in the parable, for us to be busy about serving God and forget to serve God's people. You saw the the, the people that they were on their way on the road there to the temple, many of them thought, or to do something for God, and they pass by someone that, was in God's, that needed God's help. The challenge for us today is I believe that there's people all around us every day. That if we'll just slow down and say, God, today, how can you use me? In the giftings that I have, the way you created me, how can you use me today with what I have? You know, the Samaritan, it's interesting that Jesus chose a Samaritan because they were despised. They were actually frowned upon they're the ones that they that the jews didn't want to even be around or touch and yet that's the one that helped the one that was hurt it reminds me of a time in haiti when there was a young girl named maggie maggie this is to me in my mind this is the true story of the good samaritan maggie was from city soleil city soleil is the poorest of the poor poor in haiti like someone in haiti goes "Whoa, you're from city soleil you're poor it's that bad this young girl, 13 years old from City Soleil, was raped. She was burned all over her body and she was beaten, thrown into a dump and left to die along the road. And a young boy that had no status in life, I believe it was about a 15 year old boy, was walking by, now this road is on the main road in Haiti. So literally thousands of people drove by and walked by this young girl in the trash that was hurting. And yet one young 15-year-old boy stopped to see her, to care for her, and to run to the mission and say, there's a girl that's really bad that needs your help. And a guy went down and picked her up and we brought her in. Maggie was severely tormented. And over the years, Maggie, you could see this, this woman, young woman that wouldn't even look at a man in the eyes and had visible burn marks that had healed on her body. You saw her begin to heal both inwardly and outwardly to the place where Maggie could never walk well, but she was loved and she loved back and she loved to cook for people. And in 2009, Maggie became very ill after living at the mission at the orphanage for about seven years and she passed away. And it was one of the saddest and most Uh, joyful ceremonies to know that this young girl that the world had abandoned and put in a dump and had used and abused was saved by God. She had a relationship with Christ. And on that day that she passed away, she passed away knowing she was loved by her brothers and sisters because there was a good Samaritan and knowing that she was loved in the secure arms of Jesus Christ. I just think that's a powerful story of God working through a person that had nothing and yet chose to use what they had to love this young lady. I want to share with you real quick about a guy named Edward Kimball. How many have heard of Edward Kimball? Anyone? Okay, Edward Kimball, you're going to know know him here in a minute. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. Now, some of y'all might teach a class, some of you might work at a school, but Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who not only prayed for hyper boys in his class, but also sought to win each one of them to the Lord personally. He decided he would be intentional with every single last one of them. Surely he thought about throwing in the towel. If you've ever worked with middle school boys, you've thought about throwing in the towel. Um, One young man in particular didn't seem to understand the gospel what the gospel was about. So Kimball went out of his way to the shoe store where he worked, and he was stocking shelves and confronted him in the storeroom with the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The young man was D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody. In the stockroom on that Saturday, he believed the gospel received for Jesus Christ. He received Jesus as his Savior. In his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God with thousands professing Christ through his ministry. Now, if I stopped there, that'd be enough. That that man that was faithful, that took care of him. But the story doesn't end there. Actually, that's where it begins. Under Moody, another man's heart was touched, named Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became an evangelist who preached to thousands. One day, a professional baseball player had a day off and attended Chapman's meetings. His name was Billy Sunday. Sunday quit baseball and became a part part of Chapman's team. Then Chapman accepted the pastorate of a large church and Sunday began his own evangelistic crusade. Billy Sunday was one of the founders of Youth for Christ, but it doesn't end there. Another young man was converted by the name of Mardacchio Ham. He was a scholarly, dignified gentleman who wasn't wasn't above renting a hearse and parading it through the streets advertising his meetings. When Ham came to Charlotte, North Carolina, a sandy-haired, lanky young man, then in high school, vowed he he would go and hear, He wouldn't go hearing him preach. His name was Billy Frank, and he was called. By, that was what he was called by his families. Ham announced that he would. In fact, he knew in fact that across the street there was a house of ill repute that the local high school boys and male students were skipping lunch to go visit. When the students decided to interrupt the meeting, Ham. Billy Frank decided he would go see what happened. That night, Billy Frank went and was intrigued by what he heard. Returning another night, he responded to the invitation and was converted. Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham, the evangelist who preached to more people than anyone who's ever preached before. Three million people. Billy Graham this year, or just this week, went to be with the Lord. What an incredible party in heaven that they must have had when Reverend Graham entered heaven but I say that all to say there was one man that many years before just like you came to church and he took the time to love one young man and to see him to faith today I challenge you to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself and it may be just as much as sharing your faith with them I want to end with these things and then we're going to watch a short video things to come at mission of hope we have a thousand homes we're going to build this year for the Lord. We're excited about that. We want to give nutrition go from 91,000 to 120,000. We're building a sports complex that will reach 3,000 kids a week. We have our diesel mechanics and our IT classes that are kicking off in our technical school. We also have a child development center that's going in for children before they enter the age, school age years for moms that are going to work. Uh, we also have major companies that are coming in around us that we're going to be able to send our folks to. We have our our ship, True North, that's going to places and ministering to people that we've never been to and most people have never seen the medical services that we're able to bring them. We're opening three new campuses this this next year across Haiti. And we've changed our focus to what we call the Healthy Four. We're launching that. Every village, we believe, every village needs a healthy church, needs healthy people, needs healthy schools, and it needs a healthy economy. We are believing God for greater things than we can ever imagine. But it all goes back to the one. It goes back to that one child that needs God's love, that one mom that needs her, her child cared for medically, the one person that God's put in your life that needs prayer. That could be the next Billy Graham. The question is, what are we gonna do? May we see God's kingdom come, may we love God with everything we have, and may we see every person as our neighbor. Now I go back to the question we started with, why are we still in Haiti? Why do we care so much about Haiti? Because they're our neighbor and their need. When will we stop? It's simple. When our neighbor's not in need anymore. So to close, I want to just celebrate what God's done by this video. That's John Jack, who was filmed in Susmatla, the village that you all partner with. Thank you.
3: I'm excited for what God is doing for Susmatla. This is my village. For a long time, we did not have clean water. We did not have good school for the children, so kids just stay home. So many people died because we do not have medical care. That's break my heart. There was not much hope here. Mission of Hope came to our village, worked with the pastor to bring help to our people. So much has changed. We now have clean water. We have good schools where children have a Christ-centered education and nutrition. And now, medical clinics come to the village to provide care for the people. There are many who are sick. They are now getting help. Mission of Hope there's all through the local church. So people are hearing about Jesus. People are learning what it means to be a disciple. People are changing physically and spiritually in this village. There is hope now. That makes me happy to see what God is doing for my village. And the same way he can do it for the whole country.